Hello, and welcome to Hearth Talk. This is Craig Isad. In today's episode, I talk about my purchase of Upland Stove Company at a bankruptcy auction in 1985, and how I went on to build a stove for a couple years. I hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. When Martha and I first started our wood stove store in the end of 1978, Upland cast iron stoves was one of the first lines that we carried. We were impressed with the simplicity of the uh, operation of the units, of the looks. Uh, one big problem back in those early days was that we surely couldn't get enough of them. Uh, Upland had potential sales of three or four times what they could make uh, in 1979 when the uh, second Arab oil embargo had hit. Uh, fast forward a few years, we sold Upland very successfully, uh, but in the meantime, oil had gotten cheap again, and a lot of the American public uh, sort of forgot about wood stoves, st stopped buying them, and stopped operating uh, their stoves. And meanwhile, Upland had ramped up to try to take care of uh, what they perceived as the demand. And as a result, the company ended up going belly up, bankrupt, uh, for the reasons of that they owed a large loan to the government, to the uh, Small Business Administration. Upland had been started by two brothers uh, up in Green, New York, which is up, up near Binghamton, New York. And they never had a foundry. They, they, bought the ca they designed the stoves, bought the castings from uh, foundries, mostly in Pennsylvania, Unicast and Hamburg Manufacturing two foundries that are in the uh, eastern PA and uh, they assembled the stoves and and then sold them so uh, I had become friends with their sales manager whose name was Kevin Stolarstick and he had informed me that the company was was going under and that there was going to be an auction uh, up in Green New York for the the property of the company this was 1985 um, so Martha and I traveled up to Green, New York, attended the auction, and they had a number of different things you were buying, jigs, tools, some castings, uh, some equipment. And when they started the auction, they gave a, a choice. They would either sell it in, in separate lots, people buying you know a stove here, a, a tool there, or they would take a bid for the entire uh, everything that existed there and I ended up bidding on the entire lock stock and barrel for the the bargain price of fifteen thousand dollars as I remember and I became the proud owner of of Upland Stove Company uh, at the time the operation had ceased making stoves it wasn't just a matter of starting up making stoves again rather I had to put Humpty Dumpty back together again well, the first order of business was getting all the materials, tools, jigs, castings, and things from New York down to uh, Medford, New Jersey, southern New Jersey, where, where we had our store and our warehouse at the time. Luckily, we were just building a new warehouse, 6,000 square feet, with tall ceilings uh, and uh, loading dock and other such things. So uh, we had the room to, to store these. It, it turned out to be four tractor trailers worth of uh, I'll use the word junk because it was all assorted assorted stuff and so we had it loaded onto uh, tractor trailers up in Green New York and brought down to New Jersey 
Now, one problem was that we were just finishing the warehouse and the slab wasn't poured in it yet. In fact, it was going to happen the next day, but we had no choice about when we had to get these castings out because I guess the Small Business Administration uh, wanted to uh, sell the building or, or what have you up there. So uh, these four tractor trailers show up and the, as I remember, this was uh, early fall, maybe October, October 1st, somewhere around there. And it hadn't rained for months and it surely was a nice day that day and so we unloaded all the tractor trailers right there on the ground right next to the uh, the frame of the warehouse which had been framed actually inside it and roofed it just did not have the slab which was going in within a couple days um, I also then bought some tarps so that I could cover this stuff over in case it rained and as we're unloading the last tractor trailer I remember this big black cloud just came from nowhere as I said it had, had not rained for a long time and so we cover up everything and here comes this cloud burst I mean rain like you wouldn't believe and wind even though we had the tarps on there held down by castings and things the tarps get to blowing all over the place and meanwhile now all these castings uh, a number of boxes of castings ended up getting wet and I should say that I spent the next three years while we were making those stoves uh, taking light surface coats of rust off a lot of the parts just because of that of that one cloud burst anyway we we finally moved all these parts into uh, new pallet racks and things into this this new warehouse so in order to make cast iron stoves you need what are called patterns or molds these are the aluminum plates that are pressed into a wet sand and then the the cast iron is poured into them so we searched around to see what plates we had a lot of the patterns were located at the foundries uh, in eastern Pennsylvania. So we went and visited Hamburg Manufacturing and uh, Unicast and found out the uh, number of patterns which they had at those places and also what the prices might be for the castings. Uh, while the folks at Hamburg were very accommodating, uh, I can't say the same about Unicast. The president of Unicast, a gentleman named Lou Monaco, um, was uh, very uh, well the easiest way to say it was very nasty in his behavior towards me and towards us and he claimed that all the patterns were his that all those patterns now belonged to him because perhaps the old upland entity owed him money not that there was anything that he could do with them except make castings that would belong to us but he insisted that the patterns were his uh, whereas the other company uh, was said, Craig, how many castings can we sell you? Well, we started buying castings from both companies, uh, but still having this problem with Mr. Monaco over there at Unicast. I finally had to uh, call in the lawyers for just about the first time in my life, uh, and uh, we ended up making some kind of a settlement with him. Basically, uh, it was blackmail. Uh, Mr. Monaco said, we have to buy castings from him, sometimes at even slightly inflated prices. And as we bought more and more castings from him, uh, he would allow us ownership of the patterns. But I should say that was uh, that turned out to be one of the reasons that I ended up selling the company, is that uh, Lou Monaco of Unicast ended up making a very unpleasant experience out of uh, procuring some of the castings. So we ended up producing all the stoves. We found all the patterns, ended up producing the Model 17, the Model 27, 
the Model 207, which was made in both a top vent and a rear vent, and the Model 107. Um, we also made some changes that we had wanted to make for a long time uh, while we were retailing the stoves. For instance, we took the 107, which used to have only a 45 degree flue outlet, and we made another version of it that had a reversible top or rear flue exit. We also took the glass door, there was an optional glass door for the 107 and 207, and we enlarged the glass on it quite a bit, and we went to a double pane of glass with an airspace in between it, so it would stay cleaner. Another thing we did was to create uh, heat shields for the rear heat shields for the 107 and 207 and send them back to the testing lab and uh, test them with closer clearances. These were all things that, that, that we thought were important at that time. We set up a little factory. In fact, uh, you can go to YouTube or Google Video and do a quick search on Upland or Upland wood stoves and you'll see a a small video of the uh, Upland factory. It was 600 square feet, 15 by 40, with a with a small assembly line, and we built stoves there. I had two employees that were full time, and they were building anywhere from 20 to 30 stoves a week, which might not sound like a lot, but uh, if you did that every week, it would be uh, a thousand stoves or more a year. Uh, the, the company was profitable from the beginning because we had paid so little for it and we had also gotten a number of castings with that so the stoves were not costing us as much to build as if we had uh, purchased all the parts. So a, a year or two went by and now it was time that the clean burning standards were starting to come into play. And at the time, nobody really knew very much about them, how much it might cost to make a stove pass. The figures that were being tossed around were, were $50,000 plus, and if you failed, you might have to spend that again. So uh, I was getting ready to invest quite a bit of money in the company. I also started designing uh, a new stove as well as retrofitting one of the old stoves to, to pass EPA. Uh, we were putting a catalytic converter in the Upland 107, and as a matter of fact, we had an industry expert, Bob Cauley, who had originally designed all the Cauley stoves. Bob Cauley was an uh, engineer and industrial designer, and he was doing a lot of the uh, drawing work for me on the changes to the stove. So Bob Cauley had drawn up the changes to make the 107 a catalytic, which we actually ended up doing and, and had a few sample models. And also getting to work on a newer stove that, that was a little smaller than the 107-207 that was going to be built from the ground up. Sometime after I started all these changes, I looked around and I saw that 90% um, of the stove companies that were in the business either had gone or were going out of business, not just due to EPA, but due to the slowdown in, in demand for wood stoves. At the time, oil was probably about 80 cents a gallon. One day I just asked myself, Craig, why do you think if all these other companies are going broke and all these other people are spending their, uh, their life fortunes and, and putting them down the drain, why do you think that you're going to be the exception to the rule? And I, I guess it was a smart move, but I decided, okay, I'm not going to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars more in this company. Uh, rather, I'm going to concentrate on my core business, which was retailing. I had two stores at the time. And so I decided to sell the company. Um, I ended up selling the castings, patterns, and uh, other material 
to Peter Albertson of, of New Tech in Warwick, Rhode Island. Peter ended up using the castings for a pellet stove, which his company produced, and also selling the castings to another Pennsylvania company who made a coal stoker based on the castings of the Model 207. So it's interesting for me to even look today and see ads in the magazine occasionally that, that reflect those same castings from the Model 207. And that's basically the story of uh, my purchase and sale of the Upland Stove Company. Thanks for listening.